Hello, and thank you for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church Maryville here in Maryville, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can visit our website to find out more information about our church or to find our full audio archive with all of our messages. So you can find all of that at www.vineyardchurch.us, or you can also subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. So last week we looked at this um, pretty awesome message from our Apostle Paul. The first two verses of Romans chapter 12, Paul's message, message that I encouraged you all to go home and write in lipstick on your bathroom mirror. We had that happen. This is my daughter's bathroom mirror, and she wrote it. And it's really awesome to know that my daughter's actually still listening to my sermons. She's had to do it for 11 years, and now she has to continue on. But if you can't read what it says, it is Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And my plea to us all was to begin each day last week, as well as each day this week, the plea is going to continue for you to wake up in the morning and let those two verses be the verses that really you soak in. And it's been a part of my prayer week this week as well that God has spoken to you through those verses each and every day. And I know for myself, those words became kind of foundational for me throughout the week. They kept coming back to mind when it was kind of decision-making times throughout the course of the week. The question that I was asking myself is, well, am I following the ways of Jesus? Am I walking with Jesus? Or am I conforming in some way to the world? Are my actions being consistent with the ways of Christ? Is this, uh, and, and this is one of the ways that, that God really works when we pray through Scripture. Throughout the course of the day, he has the tendency to keep bringing those words to our hearts and to our minds until it becomes kind of natural for us to go there ourselves. That's the transformation process that happens, that comes along with the renewing of our minds that Paul is speaking about here. So last week we spoke how Romans 12, 1 through 2 is a practical picture of how we walk with Jesus. Hence the title of this small two-week series. We called it Practicality, and we said that the definition of practicality is this, the aspects of a situation that involve the actual doing or experience of something rather than theories or ideas. And we also discussed that God has given us some practical tools for our lives to help us in this endeavor when it comes to not conforming to the world. We said we have the opportunity to dig deep into God's word because God's word has the power to change our lives. We talked about discipleship relationships who can help us stay on task and on track with the ways of our Lord. And then the big challenge is there are places in our lives where we struggle to let go of the world, to give our lives entirely to God. And we said we need to ask the Lord to break us. That line from the song that I talked about, please break my back if I won't bow. 
It's God who has the power to break us from these ways of the world, from these strongholds that grasp onto us and how the enemy grasps onto us in our lives. Now for this morning, we look at the other half of our vision here at Vineyard, and that's loving our neighbor. And once again, there's some practicality. There are practical tools that God gives us in our lives to walk in this endeavor. And I think I just want to begin by saying this, that loving our neighbor is countercultural in and of itself, especially in the times that we find ourselves in today, because so much of our world is me first, others second kind of mentality. We'll serve people, we'll love our neighbor when it's convenient for us to do so, when we have the time to do so. That's my mentality, I know, when I'm wrongly following the ways of the world. I look at people and I look at serving people and I was like, well, if they'll fit into my schedule, then yeah, I'm all for it. And it's really more about my agenda and prioritizing myself first. And this is where the renewing of our mind and that shift in thinking really needs to take place, where instead of thinking about my own convenience, I need to start looking out for opportunities that God places in my life. We need to all do this, where God places opportunities in our lives to love our neighbor, to actually pray the prayer each and every day. Lord, show me who you want me to serve today and how you want me to serve them. Put them in my path each and every day. That should be a part of our daily prayer. And when it comes to Scripture and speaking about this practicality, the following verses of Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, I believe practically think about this shift in thinking. Now, it's kind of a long section of Scripture, but hang with me. Um, Verses 3 through 8 in their entirety, we'll come back and then look more in depth at it piece by piece. But it says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The first thing I want us to notice here is starting in verse 3, the shift of thought. First is the idea that God has gifted us through his grace. Paul says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. Paul uses himself here as an example for all of us. How does Paul have the authority to say what he is about to say in these words? How has Paul become, in a way, a spokesman for our Lord Jesus? It's because God gave it to him through his, that's God's, abundance of grace. And we too are able to express this same sentiment. How am I up here speaking to you all this morning? I think I've shared with you before, I made a C 
in public speaking at the University of Tennessee. All right? And trust me, a C was a very low, low grade. I mean, this should have been a very easy elective. Most people made A's. I made a C. I was way down there. Dr. Klingman, my professor, would be absolutely shocked right now if he knew I was standing in front of you and speaking to you. That's how bad it was. But I'm here speaking to you all out of an abundance of God's grace in my life. And I believe this isn't just about pastoral ministry or pastoral positions in the church, but it's any leadership, any capacity for that matter, to speak or to act into the lives of others. It's all possible because of God's gift of grace in our lives. God is the reason in the first place that we have gifts, that we have strengths, and that we have calls as men and women of Christ in our lives. He gave them to us. Our acts of righteousness do not come from our own abilities. They come from the gifts of grace our God has lavished upon us. And from those gifts of grace then stem the ability for us to go out and to love our neighbor using those gifts. So if we continue on here, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. What needs to come along with this truth of knowing that God has lavished us with these gifts of grace Paul says now we need to have two attitudes in our lives. The first is humbleness, and the second is confidence. And so I want us to take humbleness first. He says, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. In realizing that it is God who has gifted us by his grace, it puts into perspective who God is, and who we are. And it's a pretty easy perspective to think, figure out. We don't need a seminary degree to figure it out. Here's the perspective. We, all, we have an all-powerful God. We are not Him. That's the Chris Carpenter does statement for the day. We have an all-powerful God. We're not. And to take it further, it means understanding that we're fully dependent on God's grace for any righteous act that comes from us. And with that being the case, that means there's no place for pride, no place for arrogance, no place for self-boasting when it comes to any accomplishments or any actions in our Christian walk or in loving our neighbor. We love others out of the abundance of love that God has shown us in our lives. We love others with a humility that says, it's not me, it's the God in me. We want others to see the Him in us. Now, some people tend to view humbleness as a lack of confidence, but Paul speaks about it in a different sense here. Paul explains that's not the case, that actually humbleness and confidence walk hand in hand. He says, rather think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Paul's telling us, don't think too highly of yourselves, but as well, don't think too lowly 
of yourselves. But think with sober judgment. See, if we only read the part that humbles us, the part that says, do not think of yourself more highly than he ought, and we just kind of walk away from the scripture there, then we might start to come away with a pretty low opinion of ourselves. That we're worthless in some case. That we don't really play a part in God's plan of renewing all things. But when we look at ourselves with sober judgment, that means God has gifted us for a reason. He's given us strengths in our lives for a reason. We've been gifted by God through His grace because God sees us as important in His kingdom. We are significant, each of us. Why? Because our significance comes from God. Our significance comes from God. Now, for some of you, this may be a different message that you heard growing up in the church. Because I've spoken with a number of you where growing up the, in the church, you are really hearing a message of worthlessness. That you're just a bunch of sinners in need of saving. And, and that salvation that God gave you, you didn't deserve it. And that's partially true. And you just need to keep praising God for saving you because you're terrible. And that was it. That was the message for you. And many of you walked away from the church for years. You told me these stories because you just thought, my life is nothing. My life is worthless. I have no significance in my life. Serving and loving others then came out of an obligation instead of a desire to glorify God and to help others. The truth is this, though. God wants us and God desires for us to join Him in the renewal of all things, in making all things new. You are significant. You are part of God's plan. There are things for us to do. He's gifted us to use the gifts of grace He's given us for His glory and renown and to love our neighbor. Whatever that thing is that God is calling you to do, it's of value. It is significant. Now, if you're like me, you tend to be your worst critic, right? We all tend to be our worst critic. We, we kind of say things, I know I do this at times where I'll say, well, my strengths really aren't that strong and my weaknesses are really, really weak, right? But to think with sober judgment means to, we need to take an evaluation of our gifts and strengths where those are, as well as where we are weak. And where my weaknesses are, it's a reminder that God has brought others around into the fold that have strengths in those areas. Right? I would never, ever, ever fill in for David Hawkins in leading worship. Because if you heard my voice, this room would be clear. There wouldn't be a soul remaining in this room. I'm musically inept. That's both with voice and instrument. All right? I'm weaker in those capacities. But that's okay because I can embrace the truth that God has people like David and Nicole and Justice and everybody else that you saw up here. And there's so many more that have been given these strengths in their lives, these talents, these gifts. And I can appreciate 
how God has given them. I don't have to be jealous of it. I can appreciate it. I'm not the most creative person on the planet. I'm not good at coming up with creative ideas and things to do. That's why my wife and daughter plan our family vacations. All right? That's why I have a team of guys now that help me plan our men's ministry outings because most of you guys in here, I hate to say it, outside of a few, you're probably not just going to want to sit around on a Sunday afternoon watching a Buffalo Bills football game. That's the extent of my creativity and eating food. I'm really good at that. All right? But that's the extent of it. So I have these incredible guys that help come up with these different opportunities for the men of this church to come together. And I appreciate their gifts and their strengths. Now, if you want to be encouraged in your walk with Christ, if you need someone to walk with you through a difficult time in your life, if you want to walk through Scripture with someone, if you want to be discipled, if you need a listening ear, if you need help, someone to help plug you in to places in this church, I'm your guy. That's my strength by the grace of God. And I say that humbly, with all humbleness, but I also say it with confidence. Two perspectives. Humble in knowing our works of righteousness are because God has gifted us. Second is confidence that he's gifted us and that we are significant in his plan. There's diversity in the body of Christ. And so now Paul goes on to give this beautiful picture of what this looks like in the church. Verses 4 through 5 say, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Uh, author F.F. Bruce states it this way in his commentary of Romans. He says, Diversity, not uniformity, is the mark of God's handiwork. It is so in nature, it is equally so in grace, and nowhere more so than in the Christian community. Now, on a Sunday morning, just take this service, for instance. We got 100 or so in here. We got people out in the back. We probably have somewhere around 300 people in this building right now for this first service. And we have two services, so you do the math. I won't do the math for you this morning. Right? But we also have people that watch us online, and we have people that are out of town this week, aren't able to make it, whatever the case might be. All right? That's a lot of people. That's a lot of folks. Now imagine for a moment if everyone in this building right now, so about 300 people, if everyone in this building had the same gifts as our own Aaron McCarter, so we had like 300 little Aaron McCarters running around the church right now. First off, scary. Very scary. Second, that's absolutely exciting because Aaron is great at what he does and he has a lot of strengths and a lot of wonderful qualities about him. But we not only need the strengths of an Aaron McCarter, but we need the strengths of everybody here. We need the diversity of gifts that includes our staff, that includes uh, lay leadership, men and women, that includes our volunteers, that everybody willing to use their gifts for the health and well-being of this church. We need you. 
We need your gifts and strengths. And what we will find when we use those gifts, these diverse gifts, is that diversity brings us unity as a church. Because just as our human bodies have different members with different functions, which allow this whole body to perform well, we too are the same way as the body of Christ. For us to maximize our performance in helping to grow the kingdom of God and joining God in the renewal of all things and walking with Jesus and loving our neighbor, we must have our diversity speak, and that's all of our gifts and strengths combined, speak into who we are united, one together as a church. And so this then leads Paul to say this command in verse 6. He says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That's a command. Let us use them. Notice he didn't say, maybe you can use them or think about using them. Let us use them. It's time to exercise the gifts. And to do so in a way that's going to strengthen the church. Book of Matthew, Jesus tells us that we're the light of the world, the light of Christ is shown through us and how we walk with Jesus and love our neighbor. And we're told by Jesus to shine that light. We're told by Jesus to get on the hillside so that the light would shine the brightest and that a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. He says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Very important to see there. Who gets the glory? It's not us. It's God. It's God. Paul now goes into some examples of what he's talking about. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, that prophecy speaks of words that God gives us that are then to be used for instruction or for exhortation of others. It says, if service, if your strength is service, then serve. If your strength is teaching, then teach. If you're an exhorter, exhort. It's not rocket science, folks. If you love to contribute, do it out of generosity. If you love to lead, man, leave excited. Lead excited with zeal. If you're merciful, be merciful with all your cheerfulness. Now, I'm not going to take the time this morning to get into all the subtleties of these specific examples that Paul uses with each of these gifts and this that list, by the way, is definitely not an exhaustive list of the gifts. We can find those in other letters of Scripture that Paul writes, but the message is clear. If you have a gift, and you do, then use it. Use it. So here's what I want to do. I want to give a little recap, and then we're going to go into the practical tools. Recap us some truths. We're gifted by God. That both, that both humbles us in knowing where our gifts are from, as well as giving us confidence that God wants to use us in his plan. Second, God has made his family the church with a diverse amount of gifts and strengths, and it's our diversity that is used together for us to be united 
which helps the health and strength of the church. And then finally, Paul tells us, I've given you these gifts. Go use them. Don't hide them. Don't keep them for yourselves, but use them. One, to glorify him, and two, to love, serve others, to love our neighbor. So now you might be thinking a practical question right now. Chris, not sure I know how God has gifted me. Not sure I know what those gifts of grace that he's brought into my life. So how do I figure that out? And so a few practical tools for us. The first is try things out. Just try some stuff. If you're not sure where your gifts lie, then try being involved in different things. Don't just sit back and do nothing and try to figure it out on your own or just kind of happen chance. You know, try some things out. Years ago, I had a gentleman in the church I was working at that was, he was unsure of his gifting and we were talking about things and knowing him for the time I did, I was like, well, you know, you're very, you're very welcoming. Maybe you have a gift of hospitality. And he was like, what do you mean? Opening my house to people? And I was like, well, it doesn't, have to look that way so you know maybe you could greet at the doors and he's like oh okay well I, I think I could do that and so he greeted at the doors just for one month on a Sunday morning and this man found that gift of hospitality that God had graced him with he loved it he loved giving you people a shake of the hand and a welcome and how are you this morning. And if there was someone new, he got to walk them around the church and show them where everything was. And he absolutely enjoyed it. And then one morning he overheard that our college students, this is a church I was working at previously, were looking for a place to meet and a place to pray because the, uh, the room that they were meeting at on their campus was completely full. They couldn't pack anybody else in. And he was like, you can have my house. I'll open my door to you. See how God works? It's this gift of hospitality, and it just started flowing through him. And he and his wife became like parents away from home for those college students, and he was able to love on them in so many ways. Had a lady named Sherry in the church who just had a heart to help special needs children. She was never a teacher, but she was a mom of six and a grandmother of many, many more. And her kids were grown now. They were, they were out of the house, and she was retired, but she didn't want to retire from ministry life. And even the church that she was a part of at the time didn't, didn't have special needs children. So what did she do? She went out in the community and found places where she could serve, where she could love on those kids. The kids started referring to her as Grandma Sherry. Well, guess what happened? As she was reaching out and loving on those kids, the parents of those kids started getting to know her and getting to meet her. Those families started coming to church and, starting to get, and started to get fed in those church to the point where she led a class for special needs children. It was an amazing thing. And that ministry just blew up. In a great way, more and more families were reached. And so we need to look around and see the opportunities that we have, whether it's inside the church or outside of the church in our community somewhere. You just got to give things a try and figure out where your strengths lie. 
It may not happen the first time. You may get into something and go, this is not for me. This is the last thing I need to be doing. Well, then go try something else. And over time, I think it will become obvious. The second thing we need to do is we need to ask someone. Like I said, these are not difficult. But ask someone who knows you. Hey, you know, we got a good relationship. I'm clueless how God's gifted me. Do you see something in me? Do you see a way that God has gifted me in my life? I mentioned I introduced Caleb Dunford last week. He and I have been doing this discipleship thing for a while now. And we started talking about this very word and about spiritual gifts and things like that. And we asked each other, what do you think? And he asked me, well, what do you th- where do you think my gifts are? And I was like, man, you got a mercy gift that is rocking right now. And he does. If you got to know Caleb, you just know how merciful he is. And he does it with this cheerfulness that, that Paul talks about. He has a compassion for people, whether that's his peers at school, whether it's his teammates on the football team, whether it's his teachers, whether it's his family, whatever the case might be. So ask someone. Married people, you got this spouse. You probably ought to know them, and they probably ought to know you. They're a great person to ask. Just lean over one day and go, hey, honey, how do you think God's gifted me? And in all seriousness, they'll tell you. My wife has an incredible prayer gift. Incredible. She loves to pray. She's a prayer warrior. And I love that she uses that gift. And while I'm thinking about this, our youth, our young ones that are in here this morning, God has gifted you as well. This isn't an old person thing. Right? This is an everyone thing, and this includes you. God has brought gifts into your life. This same message and this same command is for your lives as well. Use your gifts. And if you don't know what those gifts are, ask someone. Talk to your parents about it. They know you pretty well. Right? They know you. Ask a best friend, whatever the case might be. Hey, do you see how God might be gifting me in some way? And in all seriousness, they should tell you. And here's the great thing about younger people using their gifts. They have energy that has no limits. Us older folks, we got limits. Can only stay up a certain amount of hours in a day. They're limitless. And when you see young people starting to serve, I mean, this church is a great example. Because second hour, you're not going to see young people in here a lot. Because they're out there serving. And they're doing the things of ministry. It's a beautiful picture to see. Beautiful. You guys have the energy. Do your God great, amazing things for this church and for this community. Third thing. There are gift inventories out there. I think I've taken about 700,000 of them in my 20 years in pastoral ministry. There's just a lot of them out there. You can Google them. You can download them. You can do whatever. They actually do help. They actually do help. And so I would encourage you, this is a way to figure out, wow, this is, this is something that maybe God has gifted me in. And then finally, and this really should be number one, and that's we need to ask the Holy Spirit simply to start doing His great God works through us. And as He starts doing that, we can take an assessment of the different things he has us doing. 
of the tasks he has us involved in, of the different places he has us serve, of the different people that he has us serve. And through that, we can start seeing where our gifts lie and who and where and what God wants us to do in using those gifts. See, I think we, we sometimes hear this whole terminology of spiritual gifts and some of us might start freaking out because we don't fully understand some of the gifts, or maybe you've been raised in the church to believe that certain gifts are just a little bit too weird and just don't belong anymore and things like that. But if we seek to use God's gifts for the right reasons, we're going to find the health of our church to be incredibly strong, that there is going to be that unity, and there's not going to be this competitive spirit about well, his gift is more important than mine. Or, I, I, or we're not going to be jealous, or I wish I had that gift over there and not the ones that God gave me. We're not going to do that because there's going to be a unity because we're going to see that every gift is important. Every gift is not going to put you on a stage. Some gifts, some gifts are going to put you behind the scenes, but they're all significant and they're all extremely important. And they all can be used to love our neighbor. And I believe we find the right reasons in the very next verses of Romans 12. Verse 9 in the first part of verse 10 say this. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And love one another with brotherly affection. When Jesus came onto the scene, he says, I have a new commandment for you. That we are to love one another. Just as he has loved us, we are also to love one another. And he said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love is the distinguishing mark of a disciple of Jesus. Jesus taught us how to love. He taught us how to love our neighbor. Shucks, he taught us how to love our enemies. And it all stems from how he's loved us through sacrificing his life for our own. Through his death, we have been taught love. And now through his gifts of grace, we're given the opportunity to express that love. A love that changes lives. Amen? I'm going to ask David to come up. David, you're coming up, right? Thank God for David's gift. Amen? Man, I love his gift. I don't want his gift, but I love it. I appreciate it so much. And for our time of Selah this morning, I just, I, perhaps our time lands on one question of how has God gifted me, seeking the Holy Spirit for an answer there. But maybe you already know the answer to that question. Maybe you know how God's gifted you in your lives. If you don't, I pray that you'll use some of these practical tools to help you figure it out. But to go another step during our time this morning, and really this is an everyday, every morning question, but we'll keep it in the context of now. But simply put, Lord, show me, show me, God, today, how you want me to use the gifts you've given to me to love my neighbor, to reach out and to share the love of Christ with someone else to, so that they as well know of this incredible God that desires to have relationship with them.
kind of like last week's message, if we're reluctant to go there, to do this, then the prayer once again is, Lord, break my back if I won't bow. Because my friends, we have a world around us that needs to hear and needs to learn of the salvation that is only found through relationship with Jesus Christ, through faith in him. We have been given the purpose of speaking and acting in this message of faith. We've been given this message to speak. We've been given this love of Jesus to share with others. And church, it's time. It's time for us to step up without hesitation. Not saying any longer, well, someone else will do it. No more, uh, you know, I just don't think God wants to use me. He hasn't gifted me. It's not true. We have gifts of grace to use. So I pray that we use.